Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. As any further ado, I would love to introduce to our guest today. His name is Andre Kusit. He's the CEO and founder of Miro. Hey, Andre. Hey, Carlos. Hey, Product School community. Great to be here today. Good to see you. Awesome background, by the way. Where are you? Yeah, I'm in Amsterdam currently, but this background is from our LA office that we have built recently. So. Very nice. Well, uh, why don't we get started? Just tell me a little bit more about how did all of this start? What's your story? Yeah, it's a great question. So it's all started um, in, in a small, in a small, uh, like a relatively small city, Perm, um, in in the middle of Russia, where we were like building the uh, online whiteboard. So um, uh, and we were thinking um, that it's a great idea to bring the whiteboard to the browser. Uh, but then we uh, realized that maybe uh, it's also a great idea to build some solutions for, for companies, not just like a B2C product. And we started to see uh, the pattern that a lot of companies using the product for product development, uh, agile ceremonies, we decided to build the product around that. So, And now here we are. It's a global product used by millions of people. We are proud users of Miro and my story. Like I, I started using your product many years ago. Uh, and now I'm very happy to see what it is today. So kudos on that. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So yeah, we have offices across like Europe and US. We, uh, like there are three offices in US, two in Europe, and we have 5 million users, 25,000, almost 25,000 customers today. And it's really impressive uh, because uh, uh, we are really proud to help companies, to help, uh, teams to solve today's problem. And today's problem is like when everyone works from home, you need, really need to communicate and connect. And there are tools to communicate and connect like Zoom or like Slack, but they're missing this visual communication piece. And we are trying to fill that visual communication piece as a team. Uh, so, team uh, so people can understand each other way better than when they're speaking. So they can understand each other through visual uh, language. And that's that's really a big pain, and uh, I'm happy that our team is solving this pain these days. Uh-huh. So who were some of your early uh, adopters back in the day? Oh, that, that's a great question, because there were so many different uh, users who came to us. Uh, as I said, like we launched as a just a regular whiteboard, online whiteboard. There were people of all different professions and coming for, to solve different use cases. There was a lot of education uh, usage, so uh, students, teachers, uh, they were facilitators, they were scrum masters, they were product managers, designers, uh, they were people who like just want to brain dump their ideas to some kind of like a canvas uh, or, or a whiteboard. And um, that was hard because um, all those people have very different like requirements and very different um, problems. And you need to figure out what the product you're building for who you're building. So you need to make some bets. So that was pretty, pretty hard to do. But uh, I think we did the right, the right choice to focus on this teams, uh, teams entity as like as, as a main, uh, main audience for us. So I, I want to explore that a little bit more with you, because obviously, 
you went from a, a niche of passionate users to a global community of millions of people. I'm sure there are tons of use cases and different professions and industries involved in, in uh, using Miro. So what are some of those big changes that you've seen? How has your product evolved to be able to serve, to serve such a global user base? Yeah, it's a great question. So because um, like it's, it's really hard to, when you are small, like when you have like thousands of users and uh, some initial traction, it's really hard to imagine that one day you can have 5 million users and uh, then you can grow to like tens of millions of users. So you, you try to balance between uh, dreaming big and thinking uh, like big and doing things for the audience today. So, and we had in mind that like, we can potentially be that like broad solution, but at the same time, we need to solve the problem of people who came today. Because if you not solve the, their problem, they will go out and then you will, don't, uh, you will not have anyone. So uh, for us, uh, the major kind of, uh, the major strategy was to look into data, into signals um, of what people are doing and to speak with them, to understand their problems and build around that. Mm-hmm. Well, you've built an incredible product and you have a lot of experience doing that. So for a lot of people out there who, who are product managers, who are maybe considering to become CEOs at some point, what would you say are some of the overlapping skills between a good product manager and a CEO? Yeah, so I think that um, great CEO uh, and um, the, the, uh, I'm, I'm also learning because I know some great CEOs who I follow. Uh, the, the common thing about them is about uh, they see patterns and they recognize opportunities. So I think that's, um, that's a skill that every product manager should have. So see the pattern, not like optimize for one problem, uh, but understand where is the biggest like problem, where is the biggest pattern. Also uh, recognize opportunities. And if you recognize opportunities, you fill the gap. Another, another um, uh, thing that I think uh, uh, kind of uh, describes great CEOs um, and distinguish them from like normal, regular CEOs is to zoom in and zoom out. And this is the skill of a great product manager as well. It's like to zoom in into very small detail, into pixel perfect thing, into like this user experience element and zoom out into a big picture. I was like uh, understanding the big problem. I think this is another skill. At the same time, uh, like CEO's job is not exactly the product manager's job because I was like a little bit in product manager role for, um, and I, I did it all wrong. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't have an, an opportunity to attend product school when I was like a product manager, <laughs> my product manager uh, chair. But um, um, the, the, the difference is that um, with the, as a product manager, you, you, you like focus on a product um, and on a customer problem. As a CEO, you focus on a company, on the, like, on the <laughs> community, on on, on, on a, at a bigger scale, it's like different to run the product, uh, something digital, physical, and to run the company. It's, like, it's very different. And that was the biggest learning for me when I switched from just product management to a CEO role. Well, I resonate with you because I also learned product management on the go. And uh, in a way, my inspiration to start something like product school was, was to solve my own 
problems. And, and I also agree with you with the fact that at the very beginning, I think there's a lot of overlap between building a product and building a company. But obviously, as that company scales, there are other prob- problems that are not just related to product. And so to your yeah, point but before. The point, but the interesting point I forgot to mention, but when we started to build the company, like I understood that, okay, we can build the company around this product. When I started to build the company, I wanted to take the product approach across all different things in the company. And we uh, read an amazing article from Asana Founders, uh, which was called uh, Culture as a Product. And I was so, so kind of inspired by that article. And we r- literally started to build our culture, like the processes in the company in a product way. And then, for example, we uh, were scaling go-to-market function. And we need to identify who are the right leads to sell to, or the right leads to market to. And we've built a lead engine. And the approach was lead engine as a product. So let's continuously iterate. So I'm trying to bring this product thinking into all different parts of the organization because I, I, I truly believe that this product thinking is something that uh, really helps people to identify the problems, uh, identify the, like the what are the major problems and solve them in the best way possible. So, um, yeah, I'm a big fan of it, being a CEO. (laughs) Love that. And that's why I believe that a lot of product managers make good CEOs because they can apply a similar mindset. I'm in love with lifelong learning. And I feel like in order for you to continue being the best CEO now compared to when, when you were just starting, you also had to learn a lot about yourself and about how to scale your own business. So tell me a little bit more about that. How are you able to learn as fast as your company? Yeah, so it's, uh, especially these days, it's, it's uh, very, very hard. Uh, my, my approach is learning by doing in a lot of things, but I'm not like trying to invent the wheel or uh, do some mistakes and then um, uh, kind of retrospectively fix them. Of course, we all do those, but my approach is, to learn from people who are uh, one or two steps ahead of you. Like there are a lot of people, founders, product managers, uh, company builders, operators who, are, who did that step already, one, two steps ahead. You can, and you can figure out things uh, by talking with them and by trying to understand what they would do differently, uh, what they think work well. So that's the major approach. And I started to see some books uh, coming up uh, around this. So, for example, I really appreciate uh, the book, uh, growth, play, uh, growth Book, Playbook, and uh, it, was, uh, it was written by Lot Gill. And it's about like scaling the company from 10 to 10,000 people with uh, real life stories from LinkedIn founders, from Stripe operators, from uh, Airbnb operators. So, from a lot of great people who build the companies out there. So, and I found this type of books and articles super insightful super insightful and helpful another 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 thing maybe i would recommend to the audience i, I really like uh hit on shah fiy series about the growth of different products so they retrospectively look at like how atlassian grew how chrome grew how Airtable grew like all these products and they build this story like reverse engineering of their story it's like amazing because you can so much learn from that um it's, it's really a like, unique opportunity. So that's the way how I think it's like reverse engineer trying to find insights into what others did. Mm-hmm. Hidden is great, by the way. We're having him on the podcast. And uh, something awesome. that you mentioned, which I think it's 
it's common across the board, especially in Silicon Valley companies, is uh, learning how to do things that don't scale first. And uh, that kind of happens at every single stage of the company. So I'm curious, what are some of those things that you're intentionally doing yourself that might not scale, but you think that they're so core to the business that it's, it's good for you to spend time on them? Yeah, uh, first of all is customer empathy. So number one thing that I'm doing myself a lot is um, trying to, uh, to keep as much connection with the customers as possible. And there are all different ways how I do it. So it's like, first is like speaking with the customers and not only with the customers, with those people who don't use the product. You try to, um, like you meet a lot of people and you, to some people you pitch the product, you see the reaction, does it resonate, is it not? Some people you meet and you ask, can we do an online session? Can you register? And I will look how your first experience looks like. Now, some people you discover if they're like power users or buyer personas. At the same time, I, I'm a big fan of NPS channel. So we collect the feedback from users in NPS channel. And I, I, I read the NPS channel like every day, it's like a text that is coming in from hundreds of users daily. I read all like a wins analysis from a sales team is like why customers buy us. Um, I'm trying to read the, uh, the feedback channel. So there is a different feedback channel. So all those kind of touch points allow me to uh, emphasize with the customer and to understand what, what's, what's top of their head, what's going on, where we are great, where we're not that great. And especially where we're not that great is also important to understand. But where we're great as well, because you, you can build your strategy, double down on major things that work most for your customers. So that's how I, I, I manage this. Mm-hmm. And I guess that obviously as a CEO with a strong product background, you, you have a lot of opinions on, on the vision of your product and some of the features and some of the things that you want to see uh, happen. So and at the same time, you have a lot of smart people in your product team who are taking the lead on a lot of those initiatives. So how do you balance uh, the influence that you have as a product CEO with also allowing your product team really lead? Yeah, that's a great question. So there are two things. The first is I'm trying to coach and explain uh, like the team and uh, um, grow the team. And also I learn from the team a lot, like on, on how, um, how to think about the product in general, like what's, what's the uh, kind of the approach that we're taking, what's the approach we're not taking. And I share my perspective, I'm learning from the team and that's like continuous, like never ending process. Like you, you continuously do that together. And then um, at the same time, I definitely have some ideas and um, they're coming from my perspective, from uh, uh, things that I observe around, like from the customer feedback, from opportunities around, from other products. I also try to play with other products myself a lot. So those things coming out from those touch points and I don't like push them top down. I uh, share them with the team and I expect the team will consider them as an idea and put that in a backlog and validate. So I, I don't think that there are kind of ideas or something that you can't validate. And we had like some pretty innovative things we were building like a couple of years ago. And I came with this idea like, because I, I was thinking about it for a long time. Again, like the team was like, why? <laughs> like, what's that? So like, that's my rational. That's where I'm coming from. That's the perspective. But I'm happy you take it and validate it bottom up. Like, 
go to customers, go to users, like go to and try to understand if there is something or there is nothing. Because if there is nothing, of course, I don't want us to spend time on this. But there is, if there is a something, if there, it, it resonates, then let's go and build it. So I, I try to kind of explain why, and then I believe that the team will make their kind of conscious choice and make the validation. If it's right, let's build. If it's not, let's, <laughs> let's put it aside. So I, I, I'm not in love with my ideas. Uh, I, I, I'm in love with problems as <laughs> every product should be. I, I love that. I'm going to repeat it because I think it's key, like falling in love with the problem and not the solution. So obviously there are tons of product managers who use Miro and uh, it's part of a big trend that's happening these days. Uh, there's a lot of technology out there for product people. Before, we didn't have any of that. We were using PowerPoints, spreadsheets. We were kind of piggybacking on other team tools to do our job. And now it's incredible that we have our own tools. So for say, a product manager who you think considering to use Miro or they just sign up and they're trying to figure out how it works, like you obviously have so many different use cases that um, I want to understand what are some of those good practices for people to get the most out of your tool? Yeah, it's a great question. So, and we're launching Miraverse very soon, like uh, in days. So I, I, I'm sure this will be an inspiration for all product managers out there to see how other teams and companies use the product uh, for all different use cases. If, if, um, um, if uh, to answer like how, how to explore those use cases today, I would suggest to learn um, in, in like, we have this guide section which uh, really impacted our onboarding a lot. So, and there is uh, there is really cool um, there's really cool observ observ um, observation about like what are the major use cases you can use Mira for, and once you adopt the one use case, uh, you can switch to the second, to the third, to the fourth. The great thing about Mira is that it's a visual communication platform. And you can use it for all different use cases out there in a product development, in a like more regular brainstorming, in uh, to run agile ceremonies. So um, um, I think that um, if you if you uh, try and figure out like how to best use Mira is like to learn from others and to look at like templates. That's also super helpful to identify okay what's what's the best opportunity to use Mira for. So let's talk about other tools. Let's, take, let's talk about the product stack for product people. What are, in your case, other tools that your product team uses? Yeah, we don't use uh, that many tools. Uh, I think the one reason is because we use Mira a lot, like really use Mira a lot. So there's like uh, the board for every, every other thing we were building or thinking about. And at the same time, I think uh, that there should be like a small number of tools that you really use is like the tools that allow you to structure things to think through things to brainstorm together and uh, maybe to have some insights so for example uh, we use of course like confluence we use jira we use mira uh, we use slack and zoom of course uh, for communication um, and then some people use uh, notion a little bit some people use uh, google docs of course but uh, there are not that many uh, tools, and we we are now figuring out how we can use Airtable more to structure insights and to, to slice and dice insights coming from our customers, which I believe can be a great source of uh, of uh, like uh, informing our strategy. 
Uh, but in general, there are not that many internal tools we use. Mm -hmm. Well, and my last question before we open the floor to questions from the audience is about the future. Uh, I think the future is bright. I think there's never been a better time to build digital products. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Where, where do you see the future of product management, and especially in a remote context? It's a great question. I think that um, um, keep, keep in mind what's going on today with this remote setting for teams. There are so many opportunities that, uh, and so many problems that people face that uh, every product manager can, can find that opportunity and problem and uh, think uh, how to solve that. Um, and in general, I think that uh, the more product managers around, the better life we have because pro product managers thinking like holistically about the, pro the problem and the best solution possible for, to solve that problem. And in our lives, there are so many un, un, uh, inefficient things. So, or things that doesn't make sense in, in, in processes, in, in tools or anything around. So I believe that now is the great time to start explore those problems. And to, uh, to the best way to explore those problems is to speak with, 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 the customer, with the customers or with the potential customers or with those who have that problem. So, yeah, I mean, I, I believe in the product management role and I believe that this is a great time to start solving a lot of new problems. Okay, well, I have a question from Eric here. He's asking about how you guys eat your own dog food, meaning you have a remote team as well across so many different countries. So what are some of the templates that your team uses to collaborate? Yeah, so um, as I mentioned, we have this stack of uh, three major communication tools, Zoom, Slack, and Mira. So, and they work all together. I, I think that every meeting is Zoom plus Mira. So I, I, it's hard for me to imagine the meeting where we don't have Zoom and Mira running together. And uh, uh, we believe that this is uh, the right type of communication because uh, Zoom allows you to, um, to see the body language, to uh, hear each other. But Mira allows you to understand each other, like to, to, to build something together, to co-create. And um, we use it for everything. We use it for to run internal presentations, like board decks. Tomorrow I have a board meeting, so uh, our board decks are in Mira. Um, we do like product uh, design, we do marketing strategy, we do operations, OKRs planning across the company in Mira. So everything, because it's so flexible uh, that like, um, it feels like you are staying uh, in the same room near the whiteboard together. So, and uh, we're dog fooding our product. We, we call it, uh, we are drinking our own champagne. So <laughs> we call it this way. So we enjoy using Mira. And it also builds our empathy to our cus uh, customers and uh, help us identify the opportunities with the product. So to improve the product constantly. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.